Well, let's have our Bible reading now. And this is from Genesis and chapter 11. Genesis 11 from verse 10 to chapter 12, verse 3. Genesis chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 27. And I'm going to read from that verse, even though the reading should start from verse 10. But if you look at verses 10 to verse 26, there's a lot of names. And one of the embarrassing things about somebody doing your Bible reading for you is if they pronounce the name differently from how you're going to pronounce the name. (laughs) And then you're doing this kind of parallel universe thing in your mind when you're preaching. Shall I shame the person that pronounced it wrongly or shall I change how I pronounce it? So I'll start at verse 27. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well, this is the true and trustworthy word of God. And that's the passage that Keith will be teaching us from. Thank you, Paul, for leading. I had hoped to give Paul a bit of a rest, but he offered to lead for me. And, uh, well, thank you very much for doing that. And uh, we're looking at Genesis chapter 11 and chapter 12. And this is the final evening of our series It's amazing how quickly time goes, but we started back on the 3rd of September, and uh, we've been going through uh, the first 11 chapters, the beginnings, uh, the very important foundation of our Christian faith. And, uh, And we've come to the end of the beginning, but now we are beginning to move towards the end, because from now on, we see how God has created this wonderful world, We see how God has made mankind and all the animals that we see around us. And we see how God has shown his kindness and his goodness in providing for his creation. But we've also seen in God his great mercy and his great kindness. Because we know as we've been looking through these early chapters of Genesis that man turned his back on God. Man disobeyed God. And God as he did eventually with the the days of Noah, wiped out the entire world except for 
Noah and his wife and their three sons and their wives. But God was a merciful God. God was kind, and God gave mankind every chance. But when he saw that the world was full of violence, and that verse in that, Bible, in that chapter means Hamas. It means the word that we see being used for those terrorists there in Gaza. When God saw the violence of mankind, he'd had enough, and he decided that he would clear the world of the evil of mankind, and he would start again. And so we see that God, in his mercy, provides a way of escape for Noah and his family. And so, as we've seen God in creation, we've seen God in his mercy and his kindness, now we see God working towards redemption. He's working towards restoring man, mankind, you and me, into a relationship with himself. Now I want to ask you a question this evening. Do you feel blessed? What do I mean by blessed? Well, I, I believe, and I looked this up in the dictionary, and, and I didn't really find the answer that I, I was really looking for, but I think blessed is to know God's hand upon you. Do you feel that God's hand is upon you? Tonight, I want us to see the everlasting promises made to Abraham are being fulfilled today. God has got his hand upon this world. And to show God's continued work of redemption and mission through the promises that he made to Abraham. Genesis 1 to 11 are a solid foundation for life and living. We try to live as though God didn't make the world. People are saying that you can't do good science unless you believe in evolution. And yet evolution does not stand close scrutiny. But we accept God as the creator God in faith. Because we know that God has made a wonderful and an intricate world. And so we accept the world that God has made by faith. And we see God in grace blessing his chosen people. And so the events we are considering tonight took place some 1,600 to 1,700 years after the flood. And we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham, only in a very brief way. But the, the word Abraham means exalted father, which was a funny name to give to Abraham since he was to be childless for much of his life. We've seen in the uh, earlier chapters of chapter 11, we see the genealogy of Abraham. God's plans for mankind are not random and haphazard, but well-planned and documented. Have you ever noticed how God uh, and, and the writers of the Bible give us so much detail? Detail that we just gloss over. Detail, uh, details of the uh, geneal genealogy of people, their ancestry, who their father was, how long they lived, and who their children were. And then places, uh, names of places, Places that have long been forgotten or been renamed. But the Bible gives us a lot of detail about places so that we can see that the story that we read about in Genesis is a story about real people, real events. It really did happen as we see here. And we can see that, that Abraham had 
quite a, a, an ancestry. And we know when we read uh, in the New Testament, in, in Matthew in particular, we can see that ancestry working backwards. So we can see it working from Joseph, the supposed father of uh, Jesus. We can see it working back, right the way back through to Abraham. So God has given us, through his word, an awful lot of detail, some of it which perhaps doesn't mean very much to us now. But one day, maybe, will mean an awful lot to us. But God has put it there for a purpose. So Abraham is a descendant of Noah. We know that he came down through the line of Noah's son, Shem. And, uh, and Abraham, uh, his father, grew up being an idolater. We read in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2 that he was used to worshipping idols. He didn't worship the true God. But God has plans for his descendants and are greater than we can imagine. So God has got these plans for Abraham and for the descendants of Abraham that are greater than even Abraham could possibly imagine. Now, as you know, I like to have some, some headings. Normally, I have a little bit of alliteration, but uh, we haven't got that quite this evening. But I've got three headings. Uh, called by God, set apart by God, and blessed by God. And so the first one is called by God. And uh, imagine, imagine hearing the voice of God speak to you. The Bible doesn't give us details about how Abraham was spoken to, but we read there, the Lord had said to Abraham. Now where he said it and when he said it, we don't know. But Abraham does. Abraham knew exactly when God spoke to him. And when he spoke to him, Abraham had two choices. Either he was going to listen to God or he was going to disobey God. Imagine what it must be like to be spoken to by God. Why Abraham? Abraham had three brothers. Well, one of them died. Haran died. But uh, he still had another brother called Nahor. Nahor, who had actually married Haran's daughter. Bit incestuous, you might think. Maybe that was the reason God didn't speak to Nahor. He could have spoken to Lot, but he didn't. He spoke to Abraham. And I often ask myself this question, why am I who I am? Why did God make me this way? Why couldn't he have made me tall, dark, and handsome? Instead of short, bald, and fat. But God has a purpose in these things. And maybe God's got a sense of humor. But God has made us individually. Every one of us is made and shaped in the image of God. But we're unique. You're unique. I'm unique. And God spoke to Abraham. Why, we don't know. But it was Abraham that God chose to speak to. And God is sovereign. And we read in Hebrews chapter 11, and we've got the verse up there. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham had to, to listen to what God had to say, but then he had to think, what is it that God is calling to me to? We don't know when Abraham became a believer in God. We've read much in Isaiah, and if you've been reading through uh, the, the series, the, the, the daily Bible readings in um, Comfort and Joy, you will see that there's much said there about 
idols and how idols can't move about. They have to be carried. And I remember well being in China and going to, um, they called it the, the uh, Forgotten City, and you were allowed to go in there. And there they had all these Buddhas that people were worshipping. And they were spending huge amounts of money on them. They were beautiful in design, covered in gold. They were huge, but they couldn't speak. They couldn't advise people. They couldn't heal people. They couldn't even move. They were there. And that was it. That's where they stayed. And that's the sort of uh, background that uh, Abraham grew up in. But somewhere along the line, God spoke to him. And God spoke to him, and Abraham knew that this was the true, the living God. But God was going to say to him something that was totally alien to him. Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees with his father's family. I believe that Ur of the Chaldees was a very prosperous town. They had sanitation in that uh, part of the, of the world. And it was, it, it was quite developed. And whether it was there that God spoke to him or later on, we don't know. But we know that uh, Abraham's father and family, they decided to follow the Euphrates River. They were heading towards Canaan. And if you remember the map that we were looking at, and you could see where um, uh, Afghanistan was, you could see where um, Iraq was, and you could, uh, you could see Iran and all those places. Well, and Turkey in particular. So they followed the Euphrates River, and it went up just to south of Turkey, and there they stayed. They stayed in a place called Haran, which is the same name as one of Abraham's brothers. So they stayed there, and it was there that Abraham's father died. And maybe it was there that God spoke to Abraham and said, I've got a place for you to go. I want you to leave your father's family, and I want you to follow me. And uh, Abraham listened to God, and he obeyed God. Now, this isn't the only time. It's not in isolation when God speaks to, to his people. God spoke to Moses. Moses, who had fled Egypt and was out there looking after his father-in-law's flocks. And God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. And God said to Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt, to go back to my people, and I want you to bring them out. Another time, God spoke to Samuel. And Samuel thought it was his, his, his boss, um, Eli, speaking to him. Samuel, Samuel, he heard. And he got up and he went to his, his, uh, uh, the priest, Eli. And it wasn't Eli. It was God that was speaking to, Abraham, uh, to, to Moses. Another time, in the New Testament, we find that, that uh, Matthew is sitting there collecting taxes for the Romans. And Jesus comes along and sees Matthew there and says, Come and follow me. He didn't say, would you like to follow me? What, what do you think about giving up this job and, and coming and being uh, a follower of, me, of mine? Be a, a disciple of mine. No, Jesus said to him, come, follow me. James and John, on the beach there, God came to them and said, leave your nets and I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me. And Saul, going on his way to Damascus, God spoke directly to these people, and God called them. Well, exactly the same thing happened to Abraham. God's call was not a request, not a polite invitation. God's call to all of these people was a command. 
And to Abraham he said, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. So God was calling Abraham to go to a land, to a place that he didn't know. And God had plans for Abraham, for Abraham far in excess of his own plans. He didn't really know what to expect. But Abraham had to trust God for his instructions. You know, we men like to know where we're going. You know, our wives say we're going to go to somewhere. My first wife, would, um, she had no idea of, ge uh, of uh, geography. And if we were going down to the West, West Country, she would say, shall we call in and see Jem and Sue on the way? Well, Jem and Sue live in Derby. And, you know, we were going down to the South Country. I said, bit out of the way to go up to Derby. I like to know where I'm going. Most of us men do like to know where we're going. And God was calling Abraham to go to a place he didn't know. But Abraham obeyed. Verse 4 of what uh, uh, we were reading in Genesis chapter um, 12 says, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He was quite an elderly man. God called him. And he was going to leave all his home comforts, and he was going to go to a place he didn't know. He was going to have to live in tents and endure hardship. But Abraham knew that God's plan had a purpose. A man by the name of Oswald Chambers, and I know some of you have been delighted to read his book, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, but he also wrote another book called Not Knowing Whither. And it's about the story of Abraham trusting God, leaving his home comforts, leaving his father's family, and going out. And, uh, and Abraham did just this. He was all out for God. He was prepared to follow God to where God was calling him. So God called Abraham. And the second point is set apart by God. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read, And he became a foreigner and a stranger. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He became a foreigner and a stranger. And we've had this thought before in our sermons, haven't we? The idea of not belonging. The, the idea of being awkward and out of place. Last year we were invited to go to quite a prestigious event up in London at the Carlton Restaurant. It was uh, Carlton Club. It was being run by Christian Concern for Our Nation. And Jackie said, let's go, let's, let's go to this. She was feeling well enough and uh, we'd had a special invitation. We were given uh, complimentary tickets. We didn't have to pay. And we thought, yes, we'll go. I didn't read the invitation. And uh, Jackie... As she does, dressed up, she looked really beautiful. And she said to me, it might be a good idea if you wear a tie. So I don't wear ties very often, but I put a tie on, I had a jumper on, and I arrived there. And it said on the invitation at the front door that gentlemen should be wearing lounge suits. And of all the people that were there, and there were really some, some quite uh, important people there, I was the only one wearing a jumper. And you can imagine how awkward I felt. I didn't belong in, in some senses, though I got chatting to people. And, uh, and I felt more at home once I started chatting to people. But 
But here was Abraham being set apart and being told that he would be an alien and a stranger. Why? Because God had got a special purpose for him. God was going to use Abraham in a way that he had no idea how God was going to use him. There's a very old song which I don't, couldn't find in any of the hymn books that I've got at home, but I remember growing up singing this song, and it was so important to me. It goes like this. There's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Tis a task the master just for you has planned. Haste to do his bidding. Yield him service true. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. So you're unique. You're individual as indeed was Abraham. And God called Abraham and God set him apart because he had a particular job for him to do. And you're unique. I'm unique. God has a particular job for you and I to do. Maybe you think you're past it. You're too old to be able to do a job. But God has got a specific job for you to do, whether it's uh, just praying for somebody. And, and I have to say, as a, uh, as a couple that have been very much in the prayers of people, Jackie and I have really appreciated the, the fellowship and the prayers that have been offered for us. And prayer is an important work. But maybe God has got another job for you to do. Maybe there's something in the church that you know needs to be done and there's nobody that's yet volunteered for it. And you think, could I do that? Well, there's a work for Jesus none but you can do. God's ways are often beyond uh, our understanding and finding out what God really wants. But here was God's calling Abraham, setting him apart and telling him to go to a place where he was going to feel like an alien and a stranger. Why a stranger in a foreign land? Why was Abraham to be a stranger in the land of Canaan? Well, it's the same reason that you and I are strangers in this world. It's because our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, we are to be strangers and foreigners here on earth, and our home is in heaven. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, writes these words, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Just think about that for a moment. You are no longer foreigners. We're foreigners here on earth, but we're no longer foreigners because we, we are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Abraham was a stranger and an alien because he belonged to the, and his citizenship was with God. He belonged in God's kingdom. And you and I, we have citizenship in heaven. We often feel out of place. How many people want to come out to church on a Sunday evening? Not very many. Many churches don't put on a Sunday evening service. We're strange. Our neighbors sometimes watch me going out twice a day on a Sunday and they think, he must be very, very religious. But I'm not religious at all. I love, and I hope you do, I love to be amongst God's, God's people. I love to gather together to worship God. And what a privilege it is. And we're called to be not citizens of this world. We're, we're called to be aliens and strangers in this world, but to be citizens of heaven. 
And as we were hearing this morning, there are just not words to describe what our future glory is going to be, what heaven will be like. We will, uh, we will find it hard to find those words to describe. But for all who put their trust in Jesus Christ, for all who know that their sins are forgiven through the death of Jesus, we're no longer citizens here on earth. We're strangers and aliens. And our citizenship, our home, is in heaven. So God had set, uh, set uh, Abraham apart and had made him a stranger and an alien in this world because his citizenship was in heaven. And then God makes these wonderful promises to, uh, uh, to Abraham in uh, chapter 12. And this is our next uh, session. Blessed by God. This is a covenant partly fulfilled in Abraham's life and continues to be fulfilled in our life. It's a, a covenant, a promise that is both past, present, and future. God says six times to Abraham, and look at cha chapter 12, six times he says in verse 1, I will show you a land. You won't pick it yourself. I'm going to show you the land that I'm going to give to you. Verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. Verse 2, at the end, he says, I will bless you. And then he says in verse 2 also, I will make your name great. And verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you. And the end of verse 3, he says, I will curse whoever curses you. God's blessings are to Abraham and to his de uh, descendants. And I want to think for a few moments about those promises that God made to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. Abraham was 75 years old when we see him set out on this journey. And he was 100 years old before he had his first child. Those 25 years that Abraham was being obedient to God and setting out uh, on, on the journey that God had given him, he was all the time wondering, how on earth is, going, is God going to fulfill this promise to me to make me into a great nation? Here I am, an old man with a wife who is elderly and well past childbearing age, and God is making this promise. Will God ever keep his promise? Well, God would keep his promise. And uh, uh, we know that... Um, that Isaac was born when uh, uh, Abraham was 100 years old. You can read about that in uh, chapter 21. Uh, and then in chapter 22, we read these words of, of God speaking to Abraham. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will be like possessions uh, sorry, your, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. God was making this promise that there would be a great number of people that would be the descendants of Abraham. And here he was, awaiting the arrival of his first child. God says he will make him a great nation. And uh, a great nation has to have a great land. God promised the land to Abraham. And God was to bring about this in Abraham's old age. You see, God makes promises and he keeps them, even though at times we feel 
God cannot possibly fulfill that promise. And uh, Isaac was to be born. And Isaac was to have twin sons, Jacob and Esau. And it was through those sons that there would be a great nation. You know, when Moses went to Egypt to rescue the people from the land of Egypt, there were about a million and a half people, Jewish people, that left, Israel, uh, left Egypt and traveled back to their homeland in Israel, in Canaan. And so by this time, God had fulfilled his promise to make them into a great nation. So that was one of the promises that God had made to Abraham, that he would make him into a great nation. And it was a promise that was fulfilled really after the death of Abraham. And God is able to use us to, to be a blessing to others that might far extend your time here on earth. And that's what God did with Abraham. And then God promised to make, a great, make him a great name, to give him a great rep, uh, reputation. Last week when Jonathan was speaking, he was telling us about the Tower of Babel. And you remember that they wanted to build this huge tower. And the reason that they wanted to make it like that was that they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to go down in, in history, in the annals of history. People saying, those Babylonians, they built this huge tower. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted people to say what great builders they were, what skill they must have had to have done this. And God came down and confounded their language because they were doing it not for God's glory. They were doing it to make a name for themselves. It was all about them. It was about pride. But here we find that God is promising Abraham that he would make him a great name. It was God that was going to do it, not Abraham. God was going to make sure that the reputation of Abraham and the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, would have a great name. It was going to be God's making. And Israel is a great name. And uh, God has done it. Something that God promised in the past and has been fulfilled for many of us in our lifetime. We've seen God turn the nation of Israel that was scattered throughout the world and we've seen him bring them all back together and now they dwell in the land of Israel. A land that God gave to Abraham and to his descendants. So when you see the media saying about uh, 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 that the Jews should be excluded from, from that land, it was God that gave them the land and God still is going to bless them. And God has blessed them and given them a great name. You know, many of the Jews have excelled in places, in, in, in various uh, activities, in science, in medicine, and in sport, and in art. Just to name a few names, Albert Einstein, we know about him in science. Sigmund Freud in psychoanalysis. Robert Oppenheimer, nuclear physics. Benjamin Disraeli, a great British statesman. And then in sport, the Klitschko brothers, uh, Vladimir and Vitali, both boxers, they've uh, achieved much. And there have been many others that have achieved much. And would you believe it that even David Beckham, yes, David Beckham has Jewish roots. And poor David Beckham never fulfilled his lifetime ambition to play for West Ham. No, that's not really true. But, but you will all be familiar with the name David Beckham. 
And then what we have in our hands, the Bible. What a wonderful book it is, written by Jews. Some of you might say, well, what about Luke? Was Luke a Jew? There's ample evidence to say that Luke probably was a Jew because uh, when Paul went into the temple, the people complained about somebody else that he took in who was a gentle, but he didn't, didn't, they didn't complain about Luke. And there are other reasons why people think that Luke may well have had Jewish roots. And uh, the Jewish people have been a great blessing to the world. But the greatest blessing is, of course, the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look in Matthew's Gospel, we see the genealogy of Joseph going right the way back to Abraham. So God's promise to Abraham, here at the beginning of the book of, uh, of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, here we see God fulfilling that promise in the New Testament, in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thirdly, God promised to Abraham to be a blessing to all the earth. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. God was going to have a special place in his heart for the Jewish people. But through the Jewish people and through one person in particular, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was going to bring blessing to all nations. And so it is through the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I have been grafted in to the family of God. This is a, a picture that, that the Lord Jesus gives us in John chapter 15 when he speaks about himself being the true vine. And, and the descendants of Abraham were part of that true vine. But Jesus is saying that now the wild vines can be grafted in to the true vine. And what he was referring to is the Gentiles. Gentiles who are non-Jews, people like you and me. They can be grafted in to the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a blessing it is to be part of the family of God. Romans 11 talks about, uh, about this in particular. And Paul, uh, Paul when he's writing, is, is saying that you know, his work was to go to share the gospel with the Gentiles. And through sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, many came to faith. Many people complain about uh, Christianity being a Western religion. How foolish. Why don't they believe what the Bible tells us? We know that the Bible talks about God blessing this family of Abraham who lived in Israel. And from there, they spread the gospel out and they shared it around the world. And the greatest blessing is to know the Lord Jesus Christ who brings salvation. And so I come back to that question that I asked you at the beginning. Do you feel blessed? Do you feel God's hand is upon you? Do you feel that you're an alien and a stranger in this world? We can trace God's blessings back down through history, down to Abraham. But we can also see that God is still blessing people today. And he said to us that I will bless, uh, sorry, that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's hand is upon us because of the promises that he made to Abraham. And God is continuing 
to bless us and to keep his promises to us today. We may feel isolated. We may feel aliens and strangers in this world. But friends, I have to tell you that we have the greatest God. There is no other God. And he wants to put his hand a blessing upon you and me. And we need to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we need to also understand how God blessed Abraham. God called Abraham. Abraham listened. God gave him instructions what to do. Abraham was obedient. Abraham was told that he'd be an alien and a stranger in this world. We are aliens and strangers. God made promises to Abraham that are being fulfilled in this world today. And we are part of that promise that God made to us. And one day, we'll be united with all God's people in his kingdom. Where words that we have here on earth are just not sufficient to describe what a wonderful place that will be. Are you trusting in the promises made to Abraham? Are you and am I trusting in the Lord Jesus to serve him here on earth? Do I know that Jesus Christ is my saviour, that he's died in my place and he has given me new life in him? Do I know God's hand of blessing upon me? And I pray that every one of us might know that this evening. Let's bow our heads and pray. We thank you that you are a God who honours all your promises. We thank you for the great work that you've done through your people of Israel and through your servant Abraham. We thank you that the promise was kept, that was even made back there in Genesis chapter 3, but made more specifically to Abraham, that you would bless all nations through Abraham's descendants. And how we praise you and thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ took upon himself flesh and came to this earth and suffered and died, that all who put their trust in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. We pray, Lord, that as we live from day to day, as we go out onto our front lines this evening and throughout this coming week, that we will live lives that are victorious, lives that we know are blessed because your hand is upon us. And we pray that we may be good ambassadors for you, sharing the love of the Lord Jesus. We know that at this particular time, there is much hype about Christmas and all the paraphernalia that has nothing to do with the baby born in a manger, the saviour of the world. We pray that you will give us opportunities to share the good news of the Lord Jesus, that others might be added to the kingdom of God. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each one of us now and forevermore.